have a, a special treat that I'm excited about. Uh, Sister uh, Rhonda Madison, who's been coming to New Covenant for over a year now. And it's so cool that when God puts his finger on someone and says, daughter, I'm inviting you into an amazing adventure. And even when that adventure means leaving what you're used to and comfortable with here in the United States, nice air conditioned, nice everything, and to go to a place like Uganda, that's a little bit different from the United States. Um, but the Lord has an, is inviting her to start a new adventure overseas in Uganda. And I'm pretty excited about it. She shared this with Lisa and I uh, quite a while ago. And it's just neat to see what the Lord's doing, not only in her, but for her and through her. And so I wanted to give her an opportunity to come and share uh, this adventure that she's going on because it's going to give us an opportunity to partner with her and the Lord as to what he's wanting to do. So Rhonda, come on up and, and share what's on your heart. Okay, so we need to declare um, I am not walking in fear because <laughs> this is not what I normally do. But I um, just want to say what this pastor and his wife um, mean to me. I don't know them super, super, super well. I've only been going here about a year, but I've sat down with them, and I have such respect for them. They are the real deal, and they walk the walk, and they've been nothing but encouraging to me. Um, even in my short time of knowing them. So thank you for trusting me to take the microphone. There's, pa there's power in this, isn't there? <laughs> Woo! So um, anyway, so I just want I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to come and share my story. But I'm not here just to talk about Rhonda Madison going to Uganda. There's so much, I don't, you know, it's like, God, why, why am I going to share with these people? I don't want just, oh, that's so great. Rhonda, you're going to Uganda. That rhymes, by the way. Rhonda in Uganda. <laughs> so um, I want, and I'm going to pray this, that what I want to talk about is transformation. And what Johnny shared was just so awesome to, to hear his transformation that's happened in his life. And it just goes along with what God has told me to share today. And sometimes transformations take us into dark places. And the transformation's not so fun. And this isn't even something that the Lord, that I knew that the Lord wanted me to say today until we were in worship and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to share this. That sometimes the transformation, um, the most beautiful transformation takes place in the dark places. And I was like, well, Lord, give me a picture of that. And of course, what came to my mind was the caterpillar, you know, in the cocoon. And in that dark places where we can't see what's being created and how beautiful it is and what it comes out after that dark place. And I thought, well, what else? What else? What else? can I use as an analogy? And, and I was thinking about the dark nights. And that's when many <laughs> of us cry or feel alone. But in those dark nights, we would never see the stars if the sky wasn't dark, if it wasn't dark. We wouldn't see the beautiful moon, his beautiful creation, if it wasn't for the dark. And so I thought, even in those dark places of that transformation, there's always going to be a light somewhere, whether it's in God's word that you're going to hold on to, somebody says something to you, or whatever the Holy Spirit does for you in those dark places. He's never left you, even if you don't feel him or see him. So my talk today is about transformation. And, um, oh, I wanted to share this too. When I was like 16, I lived way out in the country and I didn't have a cell phone. And um, I don't know how we existed without him, but I was coming home like about 10 or 10.30 at night and my car just dies. And I'm like two or three miles still away from my house. 
So I couldn't call anybody to come help me. And, of course, you know, fear sets in. And I just remember it was so dark. And I, I just had to walk home in this out in the woods. And I'll never forget, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but this is many, many, many years ago when I was 16. But um, I got out of that car, and I started walking. And I tell you, it's the brightest moon I had ever seen in my whole life. And I could see the road. I could see the woods. I, I had not, not one ounce of fear because I just had this light all around me. So if you are in a dark place, look for the light because it's there. It might be a little beam or it might be something big, but look for it. And talking about transformation, I've got a little thing I want to do. Is there anybody here that would be willing to take some Play-Doh and create something with some Play-Doh? Oh, we got, we got a volunteer. <laughs> Thank you. Just go for it, and we'll come back to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. okay. Is there one more person? Yay. Thank you. Just whatever you want to be. You can be creative and do whatever you want with the Play-Doh, and we'll get back to you. Um. So, in um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We are being transformed into his image by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, I looked up the definition of transformation, and it's a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or the character of. So, I want to tell you about my transformation in the last couple of years. Um, I've been teaching special education for 20-some-odd years. I've loved being an advocate for special needs kids in the public school system. I've loved it. I've been so grateful to have a job that I actually look forward to getting up in the morning and going to. I really considered it my ministry, and it was great. And the last couple of years, um, in my spirit, I just knew that God was drawing me away from it. it wasn't, I wasn't mad at anybody. I wasn't tired of kids. I just thought, something is different. And so I knew he was drawing me away, but I didn't know what he was drawing me to. And so... Um, as I prayed and, and prayed about it, other things were changing. My children, who are now 19 and 22, don't need me as much as I think they should need me anymore. And I'm like, what is up with that, God? What do I do? You know, it's like my job's going to change, and now I, my parenting's changing. And, and um, so some fears were setting in, and I just thought, I'm not into this change thing, God. Um, but as I spent time with him, he filled me with the boldness. And I, I can remember the night I stood up in my bedroom and I said, okay, God, I just need a new vision for my life. Um, I, um, I just want whatever you want for me in this next chapter of my life. And I was so bold and I was so confident. I was like, yes, we're going to do this, God. And the name Katie Davis came across my mind. Now, Katie Davis wrote a book several years ago called Kisses from Katie. And it's a book about her life at 18. She goes over to Uganda on a short-term mission trip, and she basically has never been back because she fell in love with the country. She fell in love with the children and the families. <clears throat> and since that time, that was in 2007, since that time she's adopted 14 little Ugandan girls and um, has established a ministry called Amazima Ministries. So I read that book several years ago, and it impacted my life a lot. And then her name, the minute I said, God, I want a new vision for my life, that lady's name came across my mind. And I thought, well, I'm just going to look her up on Facebook. So I go to Facebook, and there she is in a picture. 
standing over some land, and they're having some type of ceremony. And as I read the article, it says that they are dedicating this land for the building of a new high school in Jinja, Uganda. Well, as a teacher, of course, I was intrigued, and I was interested. And I saw that they were taking applications for teachers, administrators, house parents, because it's going to be a boarding school. And so, God, new vision, God, here we go, this is it. And I was all excited. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make myself known. And so I sent him an email, tell him my background, and hit send. Well, within four or five weeks, I get an email that says, oh, we're very interested in your background. Can we Skype sometime? And I was like, what? What? So fear just crept in. And I was like, what have I done? And... um <laughs> That that bold, confident woman was disappearing quickly, and um, and so I said, okay, okay, get it together, Rhonda. Skyping is not a commitment to go to Uganda. So I, I skyped with uh, a gentleman named Mark Guthrie, who was the director of this new school, and immediately just clicked with him. He's just a neat, godly man. He was down to earth and just so easy to visit with, and just gave me information. And then he said, let's, you just pray and we'll Skype again. So a couple of months later, we Skyped again. And the next thing I know, he's like, Rhonda, just come, just come visit. And I'm like, okay, I'll hop a plane to Uganda tomorrow. Okay. So, um, he just acted like, we're just down the street. Come, come over. And, um, so I started praying about it. Spring break was coming. My daughter and I, Emily, who's here, she, uh, had been wanting to go on a mission trip and it just, it worked out beautifully. We hopped a plane and we flew to Jinja, Uganda to, um, meet the Mazima staff and just to see, you know, if God was really calling me to do this. And so we went and being there, uh, Mark, uh, shared a lot with us about the country of Uganda. The average age in Uganda is 15. And just due to the lack of medical care, the poverty, you know, there's just a lot of death over there, um, AIDS. And when we were there, I remember seeing an elderly man walking down the street. And I mean, I did a double take because that's very rare um, because of the death. And um, so the education there is very poor. The teachers um, aren't very well educated. And, and um, the children, the families have to pay for the children to get their education. So there's not a lot of children getting an education. And so um, part of our role, which I love this concept that they're doing, is that there will be Ugandan teachers at the school. And we Western teachers will come alongside the Ugandan teachers and just demonstrate different teaching methods um, so that the kids can and get a better education. They can learn about critical thinking skills because the education pretty much is rote memory and testing, rote memory, testing. So they don't really learn to think on their own, think outside the box, and they're just not prepared for a higher level of education at all. And we were also able to meet some of the future students of this school, and they are just precious and so respectful and so excited about this school because they know it's going to be such a better education, and they know... Uh, and they shared with us their dreams of obtaining degrees, just like our kids. You know, they want to to uh, get a degree and come back and, and be used in their community and in their country. And so we'll come alongside the Ugandan teachers and help catch these kids up. The other part of my role with my special ed background will be to help determine which of those students will be able to actually attain a high school degree or if they need to take the vocational route, which is an, another opportunity that this school provides for the for the kiddos. 
And then they're also going to have a staff school where, um, as you know, Katie, as I was telling you about, adopted those 14 girls. Um, Mark Guthrie has also a couple of Ugandan kids that he's adopted, and they, some of them have severe learning disabilities due to abuse and neglect. And so part of my role will be to, to, to provide support um, and academic help uh, to those kiddos. But, of course, most importantly, it's a boarding school, and we, have, we will be sharing the message of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ to these kids. And so since it's a boarding school and we teachers will be living on the campus, we will be able to pour into every area of those kids' lives. And not only will we get to um, pour into the kids, but, you know, their families. It's a boarding school, but their families are right there in the town of Jinja. Otherwise, if, if this school wasn't there, they have to travel like two hours to go to high school. And so um, it's exciting just to be that close with their families. So while Emily and I were there, um, Benji, Katie got married a couple of years ago, her husband took us around, and this is where another part of the transformation begins <laughs> because a very important thing happened while we were observing all the different ministries that the Amazima Ministries does is we went to the feeding program of the children. And over here on the outside uh, villages of Jinja, we, that's where you really see the poverty. And um, down here below the hill is a village where the houses are made out of cow dung and mud and, you know, no sewage system or anything. And up the hill is a little bit more higher level, but it's still very poverty. But these families can at least pay for their kids to go to school. And the school is right there at the top of the hill. Well, the government said, um, we're going to build a school and we're going to build a kitchen and we'll feed the kids their lunch. Well, they didn't do that. They built the school and they actually built a little kitchen, but they didn't provide food for the kids. So the Mazima Ministries said to the government, if we will feed the kids in the school, can we use your kitchen? And then once we feed the school kids, can we feed these kids here who can't afford to go to school? Can we feed them next? And the government was fine with that. So that's the program that we were watching. And um, so here's these precious little kiddos getting their little bowls of posho, which is cornmeal and water, and sitting there so joyfully eating their food. And I was thinking to my students back in the United States who have all this variety of food in their lunchroom and still complain. Um, but I wasn't upset or I wasn't, you know, feeling sorry or compassion for these kids in front of me. I was just thinking about the different cultures and how God works in it all. And um, all of a sudden, I felt um, wetness on my cheeks, and I felt wetness in my eyes, and I was not feeling any emotion. I was just thinking, and I was like, what is this? I was wiping my eyes. Did a bird fly over or something? <laughs> I didn't have any idea what this was. And so I said, Emily, I've just got to walk away for a moment. So I walked away, and pretty soon, huge, wet, cold, soft tears, like I've never experienced before, was just falling from my eyes. And I was like, what is this? And finally, I just got quiet and still, and I did feel this deep sadness come up inside of me. I was like, oh, okay, there, there is an emotion there. Um, but it was just a very strange experience. And so that night, as I was talking to Emily about it, I was like, Emily, that was so weird. I wasn't crying. And I heard the Lord, the Holy Spirit, so clearly in my ear. And he said, because when we first got to Uganda, I, I didn't have this, oh, my gosh, this is where I need to be. Um, 
you know, I wasn't feeling that. And so I had said, God, if I am supposed to be here, you need to give me a heart for the Ugandan people because I'm really not feeling it. And uh, so I heard him whisper in my ear, you asked me to give you a heart for the Ugandan people. I'm not going to give you a heart for the Ugandan people. I'm going to give you my heart for the Ugandan people. So needless to say, that was the most humbling moment of my life. And I just sat there. I go, those weren't my tears. Those were God's tears. And they weren't tears because these kids didn't have all this variety of food and nice clothes and cell phones and toys. It was a a cry because of their spiritual poverty. They don't know about the love of the Father. They don't know that God loves them. They don't know that he wants them to know him. He wants them to know him. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That was God crying through me. And who am I, you know, for him to choose to do this? Because my heart for the people probably would have been the more, oh, they need clothes or they need better food or something, you know. But his is so much deeper, so much deeper. And so, um, yes, it's very humbling. So when we get back to the States, I'm like, still cannot jump on board. I cannot say out loud, I'm going to Uganda. Um, so I would tell my family and friends about this tears experience and I would hear, oh my gosh, after that, how can you not go? And they were like, Rhonda, you just need to get out of the way. And and I didn't like that because I was like, okay, this transformation thing, I want to be right in the middle of it. I don't want to get out of the way. I know what they meant. Like get your fears out of the way. But I wanted to be right in the middle of it in my doubts and my fears and just let God transform me in it. And, and so um, I would whisper, okay, why? Okay, I'm going to Uganda. I'm going to Uganda. Is this really happening? I could not say it out loud. But I, I did self-reflection. I'm like, why can't I say this? And it's the fear factor. And that is a very normal thing. But I also know... If I were to say, I'm going to Uganda, out loud, life as I knew it would never be the same. Life as I knew it would never be the same. And so, therefore, how am I going to deal with that? I would have to leave my babies, my 19-year-old and 22-year-old babies. I would have to leave my friends, my community, my job that provides a nice little check every month. Um, and so am I, and how am I going to let God transform my thinking and transform me so that I can be who I need to be if I'm called to go to Uganda? So, um, when I would talk to friends and family, they would say, of course you're going to Uganda. And I'm like, what do you mean? Of course. And they're like, Rhonda, we can see you doing that. And so it was like, wow, you know, and other things through scriptures and through my time with the Lord, I would get confirmation I'm to go. So my transformation is I am going to Uganda in January (laughs) to teach children. And um, it hasn't been easy to get to that point. But God is so patient and God is so kind and he provides people along the way. Don't judge me by who I hang out with here. Um, But... (laughs) 
Lisa Campbell, um, God brought her into my life. It's just been incredible how she's been such a help to me because of her experience. And, and so her friendship um, has been awesome during this time. Um, but what I wanted to share, what God um, showed me several weeks ago when I was um, rather getting discouraged. Um, but that's still part of the transformation, right? He's transforming me. Um, I came to this passage in Luke 5, and it just screamed at me um, that we all know the story probably where Jesus is talking to the multitudes, and, and he gets into the boat, and he tells Simon to go launch out into the deep. And Simon says, uh, I've been fishing all night. I didn't catch anything, but okay, I'll do it, Lord. And so he goes out, and then we all know what happens, right? He just catches tons and tons and tons of fish. And the nets are breaking and the boat is sinking because he's got so many fish. And I was, that just jumped out at me. And I was like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Because another part of this transformation is the whole money thing, having to fundraise and getting a new mindset about that. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, that is so neat that all this money is going to come in and my nets are going to break and my boat is going to sink because of all the finances that are going to, you talk about declaring, right? That that's going to happen. And so, but what was really neat is what Simon had to do because so much of that fish was there. He had to call on his partners. And that's exactly what I've been having to do. It's to call on partners. And it's been so neat to get a new mindset of um, just building relationships with people and calling them to go to Uganda with me, whether it's through prayer or through financial support, to get on board with me. And so just like Simon, I'm having to call on partners to do that. But it's been, it's been a fun experience to learn to do that. But as we, as we go on down, um, it talks about um, what Simon did <clears throat> after he caught all this fish. His response to me was so, I, I'm like, why would you respond that way? He fell to his knees in humility and say, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. And I thought, if that was me, I would probably be jumping up and down for joy because of the provision, right? But, but Peter fell in humility. And so I was questioning that, and then I started questioning why Jesus responded to him. In his moment of humility, he responded with, do not be afraid. And I'm thinking, well, that's not really what I'm seeing in Peter. I'm seeing humility. But Jesus said, do not be afraid. But what I felt like the Lord showed me is, that in that moment when Jesus did that, provided for him like that, it was a big revelation to Simon that this is God in the flesh, that I am to worship this, this God in front of me that's in the form of a man. And the fear came from the exact place where I was. Life as he knew it was never going to be the same because he had a great revelation of who he was standing in front of. And we all have to come to that moment as believers. Because it's one thing to be a believer and just go live, live your life. But when you get that knowing that the creator of the universe loves you and has a plan for you, not always going to be easy, but has a great adventure for you, there comes that moment where you have to go, am I willing to let this life that I know be different? And so he said, do not be afraid because Jesus went to the heart of the matter. Peter was humble, but he obviously had to be feeling fear, or why would Jesus say that? So in his fear, Jesus, uh, Simon got up, and they brought their boats to the land, and it says they forsook all and followed him. 
And so I was going, okay. So I write several months ago. I remember writing my resignation through an email. And I couldn't hit that send button. And I got up and did other things. And, um, but I came back, and I had to forsake it. I had to forsake it, and I had to hit the send button. And after when I hit that send button, peace from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet came over me. And I've had to work through my emotions with my children, and I've continued to work through things like not being able to drive through McDonald's to get my Diet Coke when, when I want to, and, you know, important things like that that will be different. Um, but it says, they forsook all and followed him. It doesn't mean you're not scared. You just do it scared. Um, and so God is in the business of transforming, and he's transforming me, and he continually will, and I know that he loves each of you. And, and what I was trying to get to earlier, I didn't probably follow through very well, is that I don't want you know you to go, oh, what a great story, and that's really cool, Rhonda. But I want what I'm doing to have an impact on others. Yes, it's a very intimate walk with the Lord, and, and he knows how to deal with me, and he, he cares about me greatly. But nothing that he does in our lives is just for us. It's always going to be about how it's going to affect others for the kingdom. And so um, I hope and pray that in sharing this, that it would just give you courage if God's dealing with you about anything different. If it's quitting your job or if it's starting a new job or ending a relationship or starting a new relationship or, or whatever it might be, that it's part of the transformation process. And it's awesome. And it's good. And whatever he calls you to do, people are going to see it. And so your sphere of influence is going to be affected by what you're doing. As they see you walking in faith, seeing what God does because of your faith, I'm hoping that what I do, instead of being a whiny thing about my kids, is that it will have an impact on their lives. It will have an impact on my friends and family, that they're going to see God work in wonderful ways and make them go, what is God calling me to do? You know, and to just bring in kingdom things from all of this. And so, where are my Play-Doh people? Did you create something new out of the ball of clay? Can you tell us what you made? Over here. Oh, she left? Oh, what'd she make? You could be her spokesman. No. <laughs> okay, look, she made a beautiful flower. Out of the clay. She transformed it into a beautiful flower. I love that. And what'd you make? Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. It's, look at this. Mine would, mine would have stayed a little ball of clay. Um, it's like a... What do you call it? Okay. Cat, bu- cat bug? It's a cat bug. She transformed that ball of clay into something new and beautiful. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. So that's my little visual for transformation um, from um, what God wants to do in our lives. Thank you guys for doing that for me. Um, So if we could pray. I just want to pray for you guys. And then I have a little video that I would love for you guys to watch. It just gives a little bit more information um, about the school in Uganda with the Amazimah Ministries. You'll meet Katie. Uh, the lady who adopted the children and who established the ministry, and you'll meet Mark Guthrie, the director of the school. And I'll be out in the back with my brochures, and if you have any questions, you want to talk to me about anything, 
I would love to visit with you. So just let me pray over you. Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share. And Father, it's all about you. It's all about you, that you're a good, good father. And that you love each one of these people so much. That you care for each one of them so, so much. And that you want to do a transforming work in all of us. I love, Father, the declarations that we're learning to make over our lives, over our families. Because that's, that's transforming us when we speak those things. And so I pray, Lord, that you would remind each one about those declarations every day as they rise up, that they would remember that they have a heavenly Father who's got them in their righteous right hand, who's with them through the difficult days, through the good days, through those dark days, Lord. There is a light somewhere from you, and that you have not left them, that you are in that transforming process. And I pray that each person who, who might be struggling right now and letting go of something or starting something new or whatever it might be, Father, that you would fill them with your peace, that you would fill them with just the knowing that you've got them, you've got their back, and that, Lord, whatever you're telling them to do, no matter how big, no matter how small, it's all for you and it's all for your kingdom and that you can use it all. So I just pray, Father, for each person to have ears to hear whatever you're calling them to do. And they can be on an exciting adventure with you. So, God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for your spirit who's taught me so much through this church in such a short time. I thank you that you love this church, that you're using this church in such a mighty way. And so, Father, we just bless you and we worship you and we lift up your name. And I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry. Um, they are still needing house parents and, and English teachers. Just, who knows? Just saying, right? <laughs> all right. Wasn't that pretty amazing? I just appreciate you, Rhonda, saying yes to Jesus. And you saying yes is going to make an impact on a lot of people. And, you know, and Jesus wants us to say yes to him, even if we're not going to Uganda, right? And um, so thank you for your, your testimony and your, and your story. And, again, after, after church, she'll be out there. So if um, God's tugging on your heart to partner with Rhonda, who's going to Uganda. I like that. That does rhyme, you know. Um, Make sure you talk to her. She's going to be here for a couple more months. You're leaving in January. Uh, so she'll be here for a little while. So uh, connect with her and, and um, yeah, just see what God wants, wants you to do with that. Mm-hmm.